0: Welcome back to half the battle I'm your host as always Daniel Levy your co-host Shaq we're going to be talking UFC 259 Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz and Shaq it's going down this Saturday tomorrow three title fights uh the most stacked card of 2021 it's going down tomorrow night my man how's it going?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm great, bro, and nothing gets me uh much more excited than a champ versus champ main event out of Sonia. I mean, this guy's been taking over the game since he hit the sport, and Blackovich has one of the best recovery stories in the history of the game. I remember when this dude was a laughingstock. I remember when this dude was on the verge of, uh, of getting cut from the UFC, and now look at him uh, on the verge of possibly, uh you know, well, you can't say dethroning, but I guess you could technically put Izzy's middleweight belt up on the line, I mean why why not put his belt up on the line? But the other two fights as well, the GOAT, Amanda Nunes and Peter Yan versus Sterling, I mean this is a grudge match, uh in the making for a while, so I'm excited.
0: I mean, look, Jan Blahovic has the chance to be the first man, not just in UFC history, Shaq, but in MMA history to defeat Israel Adesanya. If he can go out in there and do that, not only will he defend his belt for the first time, but he's going to go on to become a superstar if he can beat someone like Israel Adesanya. Because you already know, just like it happened to Dustin Poirier, a guy who's been paying his dues for so many years. Me and you thought he's been, me and you thought he's the biggest badass for like the last decade, but it wasn't until he beat Conor McGregor. Now he's a superstar. Jan Blahovic goes out there and beats Israel Adesanya, and I get, Guarantee you that champ. Welcome he got in Poland is going to be ten times bigger this time around.
1: One hundred percent. And like I said, uh, one of the best recovery stories in the history of the game. I know this guy lost a fight to Patrick Cummings at one point. That's how that's how rock bottom it was. So props to him
0: hundred percent. And then obviously you got the go to Amanda Nunes, like you mentioned, you got Piotr. Yeah, take it on Aljamain Sterling, one of the most improved fighters. So I cannot wait to break this whole card down, start to finish. But first, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Get prepared for St. Patrick's Day with Manscaped. If you're going to get a little lucky, Manscaped is the global leader for below the waist grooming and the official sponsor of half the battle. To ensure you have the best tools for your family jewels, visit manscaped.com and use the promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free international shipping. You are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Included... In this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Sounds pretty badass, and it is, my friends. Look, guys, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? And this bundle includes my personal favorite the Lawnmower 3.0. This is the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You'll feel confident shaving uh, your thunder down under, as they like to say, over in Australia. You can also get festive and safely shave a shamrock in your pubes. You and your partner will get lucky, alright. Their Lawnmower 3.0 will showcase your pot of gold like no other. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer, and it's hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. Also, every purchase at Manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So, guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. There's gold at the end of the rainbow with Manscaped Shack. 100%
1: 100% and just look at the guys that they're behind and look at the rises that they've been having like we've mentioned in the past Kevin Holland, if you want that type of output, like you saw from the Holloway Qatar fight manscape is a good first step I mean you got to feel good about yourself so uh, go by go ahead and use that discount code and and, and grab those manscape products.
0: You know, uh, Kevin Holland's now in the video game, too. Uh, coincidence? Uh, I think not. So uh, good things happen uh, to those that are ready for short notice opportunities is all I got to say. So make sure you all use that promo code battle 20 for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Now, Shaq, let's break down this whole card start to finish, because first up in the band and weight division, we got a matchup between Trevin Jones. He's 12 and six and Mario Bautista is eight and one. Currently, they got Mario Bautista minus 230. The comeback on Trevin Jones is plus 190. So Mario Bautista has been kind of flying under the radar. He's, he's definitely impressed me. You know, I wasn't sold on him at first, but now I do think that he's an exciting prospect. I do think that he's been making leaps and bounds. But look, this guy, Trevin Jones, he had one of the biggest upsets of 2020. And I'd say... On paper, just having a win over Timur Valiev on your resume is better than any win Mario Bautista has had. Just the name alone. However, the performance is what we got to analyze. And I'll be honest with you, man. Trevin Jones lost pretty much every minute, every second of that fight until he landed the big counter. I mean, it was almost like he got whooped to a point where of gasped from whooping him and um, subsequently got caught. You know, and and I don't like to discredit upsets, but like I truly believe if him and Valiev ran it back, I got Valiev at heavy chalk again. Mario Bautista's got more volume in this spot, and I think he's the overall better fighter. And if he does not get caught with something big, I see him coming out here and outworking Trevin Jones. So I'm going Mario Bautista uh, via decision, Shaq.
1: Yeah, Trevin Jones, he, he's big, he's strong. Bautista, he's coming off a layoff. He looked really good the last fight, the last two fights, fight of the night and a performance bonus uh, against Jin Susan san and Miles Johns, who was undefeated at the time. So props to Mario Bautista. Yeah, I agree. Look, Trevin, we've seen in the past on the local scene when fights get extended, he has trouble, but he is big, strong, and he does have power So Mario Bautista has got to be a little bit careful as far as the betting side of things. I mean, not too many people have necessarily uh, hammered Bautista in this spot. So this possibly could be a a potential good spot for him um, in this fight. But he is coming off a layoff. He has had his uh, struggles in the past. But I agree. I think that as long as he keeps his fight on the feet, I see him chipping away at Trevor Jones throughout the 15-minute process. So uh, I'm gonna go with Bautista as well. Um but at the same time, Daniel, I, I agree. I think Timor Valiev could possibly be a lot more to handle than Mario Bautista. Um I mean Timur Valiev's a lot more experienced, a lot more well traveled. Um Bautista's good, but we you know we don't wanna to jump the gun, you know, so soon.
0: I agree. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between the UFC debutant Eurosh Medich. He's six and zero, and he's taking on Alon Cruz, who is eight and three. Currently, they got Eurosh Medich minus one hundred and sixty to come back on Alon Cruz is plus one hundred and forty. So, obviously, we're very familiar with Alon Cruz. We saw him fight in the NFC. I commented his fight uh, against my jujitsu coach. He won in the MMA fight. Great job. He's a he's a six foot one featherweight. Now he's moving up to lightweight. He's got a seven inch reach advantage in this spot. However, this guy, Eurosh Medich, he's a serious kickboxer. It's funny because you see guys come from the Alaska scene and you're often like, oh, man, that's one of the worst regional scenes around. But this guy kind of stood out. And my whole thing was like, hey, if you just get out of Alaska and patch up your wrestling this much, you can be something. His last two camps he does at King's MMA. So right away, he's out of Alaska, which is exactly what I need for this kid's progression. And, man, he's got some devastating kicks and I think he's actually, like, from what I've seen from his technique, I know everybody's fought, you know, sucks, but what I've seen, this guy definitely stands out. He is a very He's a serious kickboxer. I think that despite having a 7-inch reach disadvantage, I don't think it's going to really come into play here because Eurosh basically is more of a kicker than he is a puncher. So I think he is going to be able to get off on his kicks. And with Alon Cruz, definitely fought the higher level of competition. I'm glad he's moving up to 55. He doesn't have to have that brutal cut anymore. But I kind of... Man, that last fight against Spike, I don't want to you know, take anything away from Spike, but I kind of wanted to see a little bit more fight out of Alon Cruz in that spot. In that Cameron Neville fight, I kind of wanted to see a little bit of more fight out of Alon Cruz in that spot as well. So even though Yurosh Medich has never been past the second round, he's never fought anybody before, I think he's training with the right people, with Benil, with Marvin, and it hasn't been proven yet, but I think he proves it Saturday night. I think he comes out here. I actually think he knocks out Alon Cruz um and Euro Schmedic really stood out on that season of, of contender series. So I'm very curious to see what he does. I think his big kicks make the difference here. And he's a big boy too, six foot one at lightweight. So despite having the big the big reach uh disadvantage, I think he comes out here and knocks out a long cruise shack.
1: Yeah, definitely not a good look from Cruz in his UFC debut against Spike. Got I mean he got why he got blown out the water. I mean, I don't want to say he quit, but he just didn't seem like he was ready for the intensity for the rigors of the UFC. And his fight against uh, Steve Wynn on the Contender Series, it was a, definitely a, a entertaining fight, but they you know, were kind of just beating the shit out of each other, just going back and forth, blow for blow. And Steve Wynn got very predictable, uh, wasn't moving his head, ducking down. Alon Cruz has some very good kicks. I, I will give him that. His kicks are definitely on point. uh. So with this eurosmetics guy I really wasn't that impressed up until the last fight you know the his last fight I guess he dropped 15 pounds um I actually took a look at his Instagram and I'm glad you brought up Marvin because uh, I know you guys have mentioned me say in the past about Marvin Vittori and uh Lauren Murphy's doctor and guess who uh guess who's uh doing this weight cut for my boy uh so uh, I'm glad to see he's with uh I forget his name some dude from Italy but the dudes uh, legit, if you check out his uh, his YouTube channel, and yeah, so I, I think the last performance that Medic had, I mean, was super impressive. I mean, the the power, the the uh, the strikes look super sharp. Like you said, I'm glad he uh, left Alaska. Alaska definitely doesn't have the best scene. And yeah, I I just see him. Of course, I'm a little worried if this fight comes out the first round. Medic doesn't really have the experience in the late rounds per se. Um, but Alan Cruz, it just seems like. He, he doesn't like to be pressured with the hands, you know. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't like volume with the hands. He would rather stay at distance and kick. And but it seemed like when him and Steve Wynn were getting up close and close quarters, he didn't like it very much. So and he would shoot that uh, occasional bad shot, which uh, plagued him in the fight against Spike. So uh, I'm gonna take Yaroslav as well. Uh, I think he probably will get the knockout. And he, he just seems a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out in the late rounds. The Cruz does have some good kicks, but I see Medic just being more aggressive, more powerful, good camp. Uh, I hear Alon Cruz moved to Las Vegas, though, so we'll see. I'm sure he's going to look better. I'm sure he's going to look better uh, for this next fight, but I'm going to go with the uh, bureaus Medic.
0: Yeah, I'm very curious to see you know how long until Alon Cruz shoots, because everyone knows him as this long striker, but he's actually been wrestling a long time, and he's been doing some training at a high school uh with a with a high school wrestling team, so I'm curious to see how quickly he shoots. It's just uh, in the film he doesn't really shoot; he tries to stay long, and I think he's in big trouble there with Euro. So let's see if he changes uh, things up here. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between the former Invicta champ Lavinia Souza, she's fourteen and two, and Amanda Lamosh is eight and one. Currently, they got Amanda Lamosh minus two thirty five. The comeback on Lavinia Souza is plus one ninety five. So Shaq. Uh, you definitely take note when someone drops two weight classes. I mean, I know you remember when Jessica Andrade did it, made a huge difference. Now Amanda Lamos has been killing it, dropping two weight classes. You think she's going to be a little bit too physical uh, for the former Invicta champ
2: here?
1: Yeah, Lamos has looked good her last two fights. Walid Ishmael did say that uh, she's the next, his next uh, his next UFC champ. Uh, she actually did grow up with my uh, my boy Figueredo, so she's an expert in that uh Mirajo fighting style for the, I know not too many people know about the Mirajo style, but that's the style my, uh, my boy Yuri Alcantara had a very successful UFC career from. And uh, and she's doing good. I mean, Lavinia Seuss is tough. She definitely on tape, she would come across as, you know, very one-dimensional with the jujitsu and the judo, stand up, only throws single shots. So yeah, I agree Amanda Lemos is the more dynamic fighter the a fighter that seems to be improving and she is going to be my pick to win this fight. I just think she's too fast in the open uh, though. Some of those combos she was throwing against Mizuki uh, were very vicious, but at the same time, I view from a betting side of things I've I, at this, uh, at this point in terms of betting, line, I don't think there's any more value on Lemos. Lavinia Souza, I'm telling you right now is a lot more tougher than Mizuki and um, Granger a ranger. So um, yeah, so I, I view Lavinia Souza as a much tougher match matchup, her jujitsu. If, if Lamos makes a mistake and, and Lavinia can possibly make this a one to one fight going into the third round, then that minus two something is looking a little sketchy. But I, I do think Lamos is the more skilled fighter, the the higher potential fighter. It's just... From a betting spider of things, uh, man, fading everyone fading Lavinia like this. Um, I know this is from the Brianna Viren fight, but from what I heard, she said she took that fight injured, man, so uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of people are counting out Lavinia Souza, and she was so hyped up prior to that uh, Brianna Van Buren fight, so we got to figure out if that was simply the blueprint on how to beat Lavinia by putting that nonstop pressure on her because we know that's exactly – not exactly, but that's similar to what Amanda Lamosh does. I mean, look, Amanda Lamosh doesn't have a wrestling background like Brianna Van Buren, but dropping two weight classes, especially from bantamweight here all the way to strawweight, like that—that's huge. And that's one of the things, like I said, that Just Gondrage did, and she made an immediate impact on the weight class. So right away, I do have to favor Lamosh because of the size, the pressure, and I just think that she can land some very impactful shots. And not get submitted if it hits the mat. You just got to maybe worry about the gas tank a little bit. It is going to be kind of a brutal weight cut. And, you know, Lavinia is very experienced. She's had, you know, twice the amount of fights as Lemos. So if it gets extended, that's where maybe the momentum could start to shift. But overall, I'll also side with the favorite here, Amanda Lemos, to to get it done. Now, next up in the welterweight division. Now, this is going to be interesting, Shaq. We got a showdown between Sean Brady, who's 13-0. and He's taking on Jake Matthews, who's 17-4. and and currently, they got Sean Brady minus two hundred and ten. The comeback on Jake Matthews is plus one hundred and seventy-five. So I, I got to ask you this, man. Everybody's talking about Brady like he's the second coming of Christ. Like this is the best Welchway prospect we've ever seen. And to me, I think he's very talented. That back tattoo—I'm very curious to this day. Someone let me know uh, how much he spent on that back tattoo because I'm—that—that's the the question that remains unanswered. Um, but yeah, the
1: remains unanswered. who? Can
0: I ask this? Who's got a better back, tat? him or Volkov? That's a good question. Let us know in the comments below. And if you're letting us know who's got a better tattoo between Alexander Volkov and Sean Brady, give us a like and a subscribe. We appreciate it. So I do think that Brady is a good prospect. However, I'm not as sold on him as everybody else is. You know, you only beat Court McGee and Christian Aguilera. I can name probably 50 to 100 welterweights that can beat Christian Aguilera and Court McGee. And the way he did it was impressive, too. And, man, he definitely lucked out that his fight with Bilal got canceled because that was guaranteed first L time. Here against Matthews, it's tough, man. Matthews has paid his dues, man. Matthews is a guy that's been in the UFC since he was a teen. And when you count him out, he'll go out there and he'll destroy Li Liang 30-27. It's just um, sometimes, you know, when he's matched up with these guys he's supposed to beat, then he kind of underperforms. Like the Bojan... Belichkovich fight and, and stuff like that. So sometimes he shows up and I feel like this is a spot where he might show up. So Shaq, I need to know, how sold are you on Sean Brady? How far do you think he can go in this division? And more importantly, do you think he can beat Jake Matthews?
1: No, I uh, I agree to somewhat. I don't view Brady as the prospect uh, at 170. I think he's a solid fighter, but yeah, I, I think there's some guys ahead of him in terms of prospects like my boy uh, Miguel Baeza, for example, or uh, we'll just leave it at that for now. But I, this is my thing with this fight. My gut tells me where the idea on Sean Brady taking his first sell, you know, it, it is coming up. I'm just not sure if this is exactly the time. And the reason why I say that is when you watch Jake Matthews's UFC career, uh, you're expecting how old is he now 26 my uh, like seven somewhere somewhere around there Five, six, seven, twenty 25 six seven. uh been in the ufc for a very 26 a very long time so of course we're expecting at some point maybe he will be rewarded for his hard work throughout the years and finally get that breakthrough win it's just in these fights it's the same repetitive thing with jake matthews he he does not like volume style type of punching he swings big bombs he uh when fights get, get in the trenches, when they get down and dirty, Jake Matthews has the tendency to fade. Now, my my uh, the concern I would have for Sean Brady is he kind of does get tackled with some big overhand rights at times. And Jake Matthews is a very athletic, fast guy. And this line is priced uh, with Brady over two to one. And I don't view him as that type of guy. But at the same time, Brady has a very methodical style to take advantage of especially down the stretch with this you know he's not swinging big bombs he keeps it very professional just sharp punches if he can get the uh jujitsu thing going he's got very good jujitsu just put a guy to sleep his last fight also wrestled Nardia but at the same time we saw Nardia wrestled by uh Ren Counter as like a minus a thousand uh not a thousand but close to it type of favorite and so it's like how much stock should we really be uh putting into what Brady has done so far I agree but at the same time, Jake Matthews, just look in, the, in these particular fights. Even his last, uh, not Diego Sanchez, but the Emil, Mech, the Emil Mech fight. Very good first two rounds, just with easy takedowns. Emil Mech can't stuff a takedown to save his life. But in the third round, Jake Matthews is looking for ways out. Tony, the Rocco Martin fight. Very good first round from Jake Matthews. Rock Tony Martin, big puncher. But then what happened down the stretch, Daniel? He started to look for ways out and got tapped out. What happened when he fought uh Boyan Velikovic. I mean, or I know you remember the Andrew Holbrook fight back in the day in which he <laughs> uh, faded down the stretch as well. So man, look, I could maybe Jay, I do think this should be line closer. I'm gonna say like minus 150, 60, 70, uh you know, in that type of range for Brady. um I don't think he's as good as everyone thinks, but he is going to be my pick to win. I just see too many of the same things happening for Jake Matthews. Of him, you know, going very hard in the first round and then him fading down the stretch, and I think that's probably what's going to happen here. I think Brady probably loses the first round, but uh, the second and third rounds, he probably puts it on, probably takes advantage of a couple grappling exchanges and, and gets the job done. So I'll, I'll take Brady for the win,
0: yeah. I mean, it's like when you least expect it, he'll have the best performance of his career. Like, I thought Li Jing Liang was going to go out there and mop the floor with him, and when I tell you that. Jake's really surprised me in that fight. He was out there dropping Lee. He was almost submitting him. I mean, Lee had to go to last resort to get out of that guillotine attempt, if you know what I mean, Shaq. So with Sean Brady here, uh, definitely a better matchup for him than Bilal because I thought guaranteed Bilal was going to hand him his first loss. I just don't think he's on that level. Here with Matthews, even though Matthews had 14 UFC fights, Brady's only had three. Brady, what I like about him is that you know, he doesn't do anything unnecessary. He does just enough to get the win. And I think that'll be good enough to come out here and beat Jake Matthews. Now, down the line against some, you know, serious hungry prospects. Uh, you know, if he's fighting Hamzat Himayev, I'm not sure that's going to be enough. But here against Jake Matthews, I do think it's enough. So I'm going to say Sean Brady to edge a 29-28 unanimous decision. I think it'll be close, though. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Carlos Olberg. He's 3-0. And Kennedy and Zechuku is 7-1. and Currently, they got Carlos Olberg, minus 250. The comeback on Kennedy and Zechuku is plus 210. So, honestly, I I was kind of surprised about how wide this line is. You know, I get it. Carlos Olberg, he trains at, you know, City Kickboxing. He's teammates with Izzy. He's got the kickboxing background. um, But he's only had three fights in MMA. And honestly, in that contender series fight, not to discredit it because he definitely knocked out a dangerous guy, but like Bruno Oliveira is a middleweight, not a light heavyweight. Like those twenty pounds make a huge difference. He was fighting a guy in the wrong weight class. With Kennedy, the biggest thing we've said about him is, man, this guy's an athletic freak. This guy's a specimen. If you hear Safe Saoud, the head coach at a uh, Fortis MMA, talk about Kennedy, he's like, dude, if you see the kind of shit this guy does in the gym, like he looks like a world champion in the gym. It's just about translating when he goes out there. Because I heard. He's got so much pressure on him because, um, apparently, he's the caretaker like for his mom in Nigeria, and basically, every all the pressure falls upon his shoulders, and it's been impacting his performances. He's taken a year and a half off, and I really think that with a six foot five guy from Nigeria with an eighty three inch reach, who's already got all the physical tools, giving him a little bit of time to just work on his skills and develop is only going to aid him. So I expect to see the best Kennedy and Zechuk who we've ever seen. That being said, Shaq you think Carlos Olberg's kickboxing skills are too much for the full MMA game of Kennedy here?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the line is wide and like just for the reasons that you just said, Bruno Oliveira is a middleweight and Carlos Ulberg is a very big boy, a, a legit 205. And I think Ulberg has a very bright future as well as Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy's issues have just been he wasn't ready for the UFC just quite. I mean, we we see that from from time to time in the UFC with these dudes coming in from contender series. He only had like five fights, not many rounds. This year and a half, I think this could possibly end up being like a Sung Wu Choi type situation where he's got a, a a big layoff and now he's got time to be comfortable in there and get more rounds grappling, get more rounds striking. Um and Ulberg had a very good performance, but I mean, the fight was only, you know, so, so long and definitely has good uh, power. But what happens when he's in there with it? The, what's Kennedy's reach? I mean, like 80 something, right? Like a uh, very tall guy, 6'5. What happens if it's not that type of pocket, 83 well, inch reach? You know what happens if this becomes a slow fight where Kennedy's sticking out the jab and the range is a lot more different than uh, against Bruno Oliveira. I agree, Wolberg might seem a little bit more aggressive, at least from what we've seen. But his other fights honestly didn't impress me that much. And I think that with this year and a half, Kennedy could could possibly make this look like a much closer line fight. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do. I think that with this year and a half. I mean, think about all the rounds that he's been doing, all the practices that he's been doing. This is what you need in a, a young, a young developing fighter is the time to train. So I actually think Kennedy's gonna come out here and and make this a tougher fight and, and probably have one of the better performances. Like I know the two performances have not been good, but at the same time, even in him uh you know, not performing good, he still won more minutes in that Paul Craig fight, which is a very tough fight for a debutant, you know, I mean, the dude beat Hank Galeev, um Shogun, I mean, Paul Craig turned out to be a, a, a solid 205er in the UFC, so I don't think there's really much shame, and he, I mean, he controlled that fight, it's just inexperienced, him sticking his fingers out with the eye pokes, him grabbing the fence. It just needs more rounds. And I think that's finally what's gonna happen here. So I'm taking Kennedy for the uh for the win here. I'm gonna say by close decision, Ulberg's a tough dude. I know he doesn't want to disappoint Izzy and Kaikara on the uh with the with for, for city kickboxing, but I think he's a little overhyped. I wasn't impressed with his fights uh, prior to the Bruno Oliveira fight and Bruno Oliveira kinda had his chin chin straight up in the air. I feel like Kennedy's range is gonna be much much more different um and just i think he'll be more comfortable i just think there's value on that line so i'll take uh kennedy
0: yeah i mean look i've been waiting for kennedy to finally show off these big improvements because if you watch his first contender series fight to his second to his ufc debut to his second appearance he's been making progress every single time and now with a year and a half off i feel like i agree with you we are going to see the best version of him I'm not sold on Carlos Olberg, man. I get it. He comes from a great camp. He's got the look. He's got a kickboxing background, but I'm not sold on his full MMA game in that last fight. I wasn't sold on him before the Bruno fight. The Bruno fight lasted two minutes against the middleweight. I'm still not sold on him, man. So... I am gonna go with Kennedy here just to kind of make this an MMA fight. This isn't gonna be a long-range kickboxing battle. I mean, if it is, then you gotta favor Olberg, but I think Kennedy can, you know, push him up against the fence, make it dirty, maybe even surprise some people and mix in some takedowns. Uh someone made a really funny comment. So Gabe said, uh, who's working the controls on Kennedy? And I know, I know exactly the example he's making. He's talking about how, like, when we talk about Tyron Woodley, if you had a video game controller and you could control exactly what this dude does, he could go out there and be champ. Um, Kennedy, I feel like he's an athletic freak, too. If we could control what he does and he can come out here and win a lot of fights. And honestly, his UFC debut was against Paul Craig, who is currently in the top 15. His next fight was against Darko, who went the distance with Jamal Hill. Like, this is a level that Carlos Olberg has never seen inside the octagon or in any MMA fight before. I agree with you. The line should be tighter, so it's a dogger pass situation. I'll go with Kennedy and Zechuku to edge out a, a close decision here. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Tim Elliott. He's 16 and 11, and Jordan Espinoza is 15 and 8. Currently, they got Jordan Espinoza minus 110, and Tim Elliott is minus 110. So this is an interesting fight, man. Jordan Espinoza has definitely let me down a lot because I'm high on his talent. He's got serious speed. He's a very athletic guy, and I feel like he's underperformed. In a lot of these fights, um, especially that last one against Dvorak, but Dvorak is probably going to end up being a legit prospect in the division with Tim Elliott. You know, he's always had a very funky and unorthodox style. And I mean, you shoot in head first on a guy like that. He can snatch something up. But I kind of think that Jordan Espinosa is a little bit too fast for Tim Elliott and barring some kind of mental lapse which could happen because, you know, Jordan Espinoza's has had many of those. But if Jordan Espinoza can just stay focused on his game for 15 minutes, he's going to come out here and win this decision. If there's a finish along the way, then I would side with Elliott. But if it goes all 15, I'm going with Jordan Espinoza, and I think he wins the decision check.
1: Yeah, this is a – to be honest, man, watching the tape on this one, it, it – it seems like a good matchup for Jordan. Uh, Tim is very flat-footed. He does, He is very funky, but I have, his last fight, he got tagged. He got rocked. He got rocked uh, against Roy Vowell as well, got rocked against Askarov. So there's there's signs showing that Tim Elliott uh, might be declining, and we know Espinosa's got the speed, and I kind of want to hold back because I, I honestly truly believe that Dvorak is on a completely different level than Tim Elliott at this current stage, so... I'm not going to fall. I just think Dvorak was the much better fighter. Um, I mean, Dvorak's a chess player, man. Dvorak's smart. Um, and he he had a solid game plan. The calf kick, I mean, the calf kick won him the fight. Uh, Jordan's leg gave out on, like, the third one. So uh, props to Dvorak. But, yeah, it's just a matter of I- is it time to just give up on Jordan Espinosa? Like you said, he's un- he's underperformed uh, in spots where, we you know, people thought he was live. He kind of didn't. He got blown out the water. To Schnell and um Alex Perez the Dvorak fight he only beat Mark De La Rosa and Eric Shelton who two guys who are currently out of the UFC um man I do think Tim the first couple rounds actually looked good against Ryan Benoit like I actually thought there was a method to his madness I thought he was actually setting things up uh kind of trying to be a little James Krause out there uh so I, I definitely see some improvements uh it's just that you know deep down that Jordan Espinosa is going to find a way to make this <laughs> close. You know he's going to find a way to to make this as sketchy as possible. Uh, but I, I agree, man. He's much faster. He's much more powerful. It's just a matter of Elliot has ways. I think that Roy Val fight might have possibly lit a fire under him a little bit. I think he got very embarrassed in that fight. Not saying that he's the better fighter, but he did chain off like how many takedowns. But Roy Val, we know that kid never stops. Um I don't know if Espinoza has the type of the game to attack off his back like that. Who knows? If Elliot gets that many takedowns, it might be nighty night with something. So who knows? I agree with this being a pickem though. I think that es- Espinoza has better skills, but uh, Elliot might be a little bit more of a dog, a little bit slightly more tougher. Um, so I'll actually take Elliot, man. I, I think he'll probably scrape out a, a split decision, close type of fight.
0: So we got three straight flyweight fights. And uh, before we talk about Cara France versus Rogerio Bontorin, do us a favor, give this video a like and a subscribe. We appreciate it. Now, also in the flyweight division, we got Kai Kara France, who's 21 and 9. He's taking on Brazil's Rogerio Bontorin, who's 16 and 2. Currently, they got Kai Cara France minus 135. The comeback on Rogerio Bontorin is plus 115. We are pretty high on Bontorin. I know he really Let a lot of people down in that fight against Ray Borg, but not to give him a pass or anything, because it was a very alarming performance, but there were a lot of factors that at play there that aren't at at play here. For example, Ray Borg missed weight by nine pounds. You know what I'm saying? It was also in that uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico elevation. So... You know, Kaikara France is a professional. He's not about to get a 10 pound, a near 10 pound weight advantage. He's also not going to take down Rogerio Bonterin eight or nine times either. It's a completely different fight. So that being said, uh, you think we can go back to trusting, uh, you know, one of our original favorite flyweight prospects in Bontorin here against a guy who we've historically never been high on in Kaikara France? In fact, we thought Halley and Paiva might have arguably got robbed in that fight.
1: No, I don't think it was a robbery by any stretch. Close fight. It was in New Zealand and went his way. But the 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 big thing here with Kai Kaikar France in this current time is he ain't fighting in New Zealand. He ain't fighting in Spark Arena anymore. He ain't fighting on that scene. So we know those close fights that usually go his way are gonna be more up in the air now, in my opinion. Um I think Kai Car France, yeah, I think he's a big puncher, but I, I man I've been quite I don't want to say he's not tough because he is tough, but I just see. I think he can be broken. I think that Rogério Bonserine, yes, he is kind of a, uh, you know, a Braz- he can be a Brazilian mummy at times and take uh, and take big shots. But man, I truly believe that when the going gets tough. When, when both guys are taking shots, that Rogerio Bontorin is the tougher guy that's going to be willing to, to take the chances and move forward to win this fight. I agree. I don't want to give him a pass for the Ray Borg fight, but what what's Kai Kaikara France about to do? Come out here and hit Matt Returns over and over again? I I highly doubt it. So I am going to kind of, you know, in some shape, just toss that fight out to the side. I think Bontorin can win this fight in the late rounds. I feel like Kaikara of France, he starts good early, but he fades down the stretch, and he's got some, you know, some bad habits, in my opinion. He ducks his head down uh, pretty much before he throws. Every single time it, it came to play, the last fight against uh, Raw Dog, Roy Vow, he got kneed a couple times. Um, and I and I just feel like, you know, he's a big puncher, but, you know, I just think that when he gets hit, well, I know he can dish it, but can he take it? Um, and I think Bonterre can take it a, a little bit more. I think he's got a little bit more heart, and I think he's going to break Kai down the stretch. I wouldn't be shocked if Kai got off on some right hands and and you know maybe stunned Hagerio early, but I think that when you know Hagerio. Clin- clinches, up, clinch him, uh, clinches him up against the fence. He can kind of slow him down. And I think Kaikara gets a lot more predictable. It's just, you know, trying to set up the right hand, trying to set up the right hand. And I just feel like Bonserine, this is a better fight for him. I think he should be the favorite here. Um, I know a lot of people think that, I mean, you know, the Ray Borg fight didn't go his way. I know a lot of people think that he lost to um, the Russian as well. But I just think that he's tougher than Kaikara France down the stretch. So, I'm going to go with uh, Rogerio Bontorina to win a decision in uh, Las Vegas.
0: Look, I know it says that Kai Kaikara France has 90% takedown defense, but I think that stat is kind of inflated. And the reason why is because he fought this kid, Elias Pettis, Elias Garcia, who, you know, was released from the promotion. He stuffed six takedowns against Elias Garcia, which is why uh, – you know, that stat is so inflated because I do still think the weakness, uh, in Kaikara Francis' game is hundred percent on the mat. We saw it in the Holly and Piva fight. We've even seen it in some fights. He's won. I saw Mark De La Rosa take him down. And in this fight against Rogerio Bontorin, Ogerio's is just on a different level on the mat here. He's a better wrestler. He's a better jujitsu practitioner. And he's also got enough power on the feet to hang too. Like, I don't think he's going to come out here and out kickbox a guy like Kaikara France. However, I do think that he can mix in, blend in the the full MMA game, come out here and possibly get a submission, actually. So um, I was high on Roger Bontorin before the Ray Borg fight. I know that fight wasn't the best visual, but there were so many factors there that aren't at play here. I'm going to stick with my prospect. I'm going to go with hojero Bontorin to get it done on the mat here. Now, also in the flyweight division, we got Joseph Benavides. It might be his retirement fight, Shaq. He's 28 and 7. He's taking on the undefeated Russian Askar Askarov, who's 13-0-1. Currently, they got Askar Askarov minus 130. The comeback on Joseph Benavides is plus 110. So Joseph Benavides is a very popular underdog pick this week. Um, and look, I get it. A couple of years ago, he he would have beat Asker Askarov, but this is not a couple of years ago. This is Joseph in his retirement fight. This is Joseph post two vicious beatings by Davison. And I've been hearing some bullshit narratives. I've been hearing that Joseph Benavides was doing great in the first uh Figueredo fight, and then he got head butted, and that's why he lost. Which, like, to me, I'm like, well, what, what about that armbar in the first round? Like, what about Davison just walking him down like it was nothing? And then the way he destroyed him the second fight, um, like when you talk about damaged goods, and no disrespect because Benavides is one of the pioneers of this division, and you know, I used to watch him in the WEC, got nothing but love. But this is a brutal game, man. And Askar Askarov, he has not been fighting slouches at all. I mean, he makes his UFC debut against the current number one contender, Brandon Moreno, in Mexico. Didn't walk away with a loss. It was a draw. He also beat Pantoja. So these are big, big wins. So the next logical step up for him, or big fights, rather, the next logical step up for him is Joseph Benavidez. It's not like this guy, you know, was only fighting Tim Elliott, and now he's fighting Joseph Benavidez. He's already gone the distance with Moreno and Pantoja. So I think... He's been properly groomed for this opportunity. And again, if this was a couple of years ago, I think you got to go with Benavidez. But it's not. It's Benavidez on his retirement fight. These things don't get better. These things only get worse. I think Askar Askarov is going to have the best performance of his career Saturday night. He might just barely edge it out, but I think he's got enough in the tank. I think he's hungry enough to come out here and beat Joseph Benavidez. So I'm going to pick Askar Askarov to get it done, Shaq.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh Askar Askarab is very, very underrated, man. I think what he did in his last fight against Pantoja is a sign that this guy's ready for his title shot, and we know that if you can get, you know, well, look, it was a draw. I know most people think Moreno won, but hey, it is what it is. He did not lose to Brandon Moreno. He uh went out there and took care of Tim Elliott, which is a the need you need uh, a when you need at flyweight. And, and what I like is, uh, in the fight against Moreno, it was clear that ascar's boxing needed needed major work. And I seen the improvements in the the fight directly after that against Tim Elliott, because he almost slept Tim Elliott in the very first round. So, and then you go follow it up with the the Pantoja fight. I thought his hands looked even better there. So I see an improving boxing for uh, Askar Ascarov and I just think that this guy is a serious. Serious Russian Dagestani competitor, man. I think is where he will work his ass off to get that win. And I know Benavides is known for that, but I just don't see where where can this go. Where can his career go from here? I think it, the only where it can go is down. I think you know he he fought for the title twice. uh He got absolutely dem, you know demolished in both fights, in my opinion. I agree. I don't know. I thought Davison won the first round. I mean, Benavides almost got his arm broken, and that and and honestly, his fight with Formiga. Probably Prior to that, I wasn't impressed either. I thought, honestly, thought for me to kind of quit and and Benavides, I see a lot of holes in the striking man, especially as of late. I know Askar ain't a, a Davison level type of striker, one hundred percent, but it is improving. But I see Benavides a very sloppy leading in with the head, you know, this headbutt that ain't no headbutt, bro. You 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 led him with your head, and he's been doing it for uh, for his last like three or four fights. Uh. And I feel like Askar can capitalize on that, and even on in. In the grappling side of no Vidas can can scramble with the best of them 100 percent but just at this uh and uh just like the uh like you were saying, sometimes these things don't get better, they get worse. That's where I see this going. I see Benavides just being behind a step, Asgard being more hungry in that cage, Asgard being willing to work more in the clinch. Uh, and I think he can grapple him. I, I honestly think that. Askar Askarov might be the best grappler in that division, in my opinion, with this performance that he had against Pantoja. Uh, Pantoja was hitting some serious back takes in that fight, and Askar had an a answer for every single one of them, man. So I'm very impressed with Askar Askarov. I think he's a serious competitor. I, I have nothing but respect for Joseph Benavidez. But I think that uh, as of recently, it was kind of just... People cod- coddled him into thinking that he was just automatically gonna be the 125 champion. And I think that now what we're gonna see, I mean, look, when uh when some Su- gave up the belt, right? Or yeah, Soudo gave up the belt. Everyone told Joe that he was gonna be a champion as if Davison Figueroa didn't exist. Davison Figueroa goes out there and starches him twice. Um chokes him out, puts him out unconscious and, and knocks him out. I just think that when they get in there, he's going to be very, very hesitant NASCAR is just going to outwork him. So I'm going with NASCAR, ask up by 30, 27.
0: Now, next up in the band and weight division, we got a matchup between Kyler, the matrix Phillips. He's eight and one and song. The ageless wonder. Yadong is 16 and four. Currently they got song. Yadong minus minus one hundred and sixty. to come back on Kyler Phillips is plus plus one hundred and forty. So, I got to give Kyler Phillips a lot of credit because he's one of the most improved fighters I've seen. I mean, when you watch his fights on contender series and then on the ultimate fighter and you compare it to what we've seen in the octagon, like it's truly a transformation. I'm very, very impressed with what I've seen. And I think he's going to go on to do great things. I think that in fact, uh, he might even end up in the top 15 one day. That's how talented I think Kyler Phillips is a black belt in jujitsu. he has got some serious striking with some very unorthodox techniques, can mix in the wrestling as well trains at a great camp i got nothing but good things to say about kyler phillips i think people are unreasonably down on song yadong and i call him the ageless wonders because he's been like 20 years old for the last like 10 years you know what i'm saying Shaq? Um, his age never changes but i feel like people are giving him a lot of shit you know instead of talking about how amazing that fight was with marlon vera people just talk about how to how it was this massive robbery and like i get it if you lost a ticket on vera i get your frustration but if you take that aside and you just watch the fight and appreciate it for what it is that was an unbelievable three-round war and i gotta say something i think marlon vera might actually have one of the best pound for pound chins in all of the ufc because like i just don't understand how he ate some of those shots i mean the shots he ate against John Lineker, the shots he ate against Song Yadong, the shots he ate against Jose Aldo. Um, Marlon Vera has an underrated chin. And I think that people are holding that performance against Song Yadong unfairly. Um, Because when I watched that fight and everybody's talking about how he got, he gassed out, he got taken down. Well, he got back up from all the takedowns. And even in round three, where everyone said he was gassed, he was landing some fucking bombs on Marlon Vera that would put um, a normal human being out cold. It's just Marlon has an insane chin, and the fight prior was against Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen's an elite top fifteen guy. Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen has a record of eleven and two when fights go to decision, and Song Yadong would have actually won the decision had he not been docked a point in the first round. So to me, I'm actually impressed that a fighter that young is doing so well against legit top fifteen competition, and. Despite how much respect I have for Kyler Phillips and how much potential I think he has, I think Song Yadong is currently on a different level than him. And I do think he's being a little bit undervalued here, actually. So I'm going to go with Song Yadong to come out here and win this decision. Look, I think that right now he's slightly ahead of where Kyler Phillips is. I think down the line, Phillips will be in the top 15. But as Dana White likes to say on Contender Series, just not tonight. So I'm going to go with Song Yadong via decision here, Shaq.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. I remember actually talking to Kyler Phillips back in the day before his first contender series fight. So, uh, you know, eye I, I on him for a while, um, and I agree, improvements are good. But at the same time, like guys, he only fought Eric Silva's little brother and uh, some guy. I don't even, I don't even know the hey, name. Sorry, hey, Shaq. Or not, not, so, not to interrupt like, you. Not to I, interrupt I you. get that uh, <laughs> Kyler Phillips.
0: I, I got to say this, though. This guy he fought Cameron Else was literally fighting guys with 0 and 10 records one or two fights ago. No joke.
1: Yes. You know, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I didn't even know the dude's name. So um, I think that, look, Kyler Phillips has a very bright future, but. Like, let's relax. He I don't know if he's the next best thing. He beat a a, a, a Silver Brother. We know the Silver Brothers tire out. And we know that this dude he fought just now probably ain't even UFC level. I think that this is pay. Dues have been finally paid for Mr. Song Dong. And I think that now it's going to go upwards. Uh, you know, like, people are down on him for his last two fights. Uh, Kyler Phillips, he's definitely got some good grappling, but. Just this is a different ball game now. This is the top 15. Um, the just the, the rigors, how hard the last two fights were for song coming into this one. I, I feel like this is honestly a very good situation for him. Kyler Phillips, he's been able to put a pace on, on these guys, and and you know, people are looking at that angle saying he's going to do the same thing to song and and gas him out the late rounds. But what happens when he eats that mean ass left hook? Right back, and is he gonna still keep coming forward? Can he can he fight with his nose bloody? Can he fight, you know, seriously concussed and and, and sprawling and, and you know sprawling his own on uh, songs takedowns as well? Like I don't know, I'm not necessarily sold on Mr. Kyler Phillips. Um, I think that he, you know, people people get two wins and all of a sudden they're their future top ten guys. It's uh, it's honestly crazy. I think you know he beat Gabriel Silva and he beat some dude I don't know. Um, I think Song Yadong won that fight against Marlon Vera. Like I bet on Marlon Vera, and I rewatched it, and Song won the first eight and a half minutes of the fight. He definitely uh, slowed down towards the end of the second, but Marlon Vera is as durable as they come. He puts on a serious pace, especially on that last half of the fight, and 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 Marlon Vera had had experience taking big shots from dudes prior to that Song fight. He fought John Lineker before that. He fought Douglas D. Silva and Josh. He fought... Uh, you know, just a bunch of names, even though dude like Brad Piggy, you know, even though dudes aren't that good, but like just been in several tough situations. As where Kyler Phillips is, I mean, what about his fight on the on uh in the tough house? I know he's definitely improved, but what 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 happened there? Um, I mean, he got absolutely outworked. Um, I'm not ready to call Kyler Phillips the next best thing at 135 pounds. I know he looks like Jesus and and he's got nice hair and um, his, his locks definitely look good, but, you know, I think that uh, people are jumping the gun. I think this, the dudes have finally been paid for Sonja Dong these last two fights. He's very, uh, I will not even say that he's lucky he didn't come out with a loss. I think he lost to Cody Stamen, but the verify wasn't a robbery, man. Even in the third round, I don't want to say that he won that round, but, I mean, it was close as well, so uh I'm going to go with Sonja Dong here, and I'm going to actually say by knockout, Daniel. I think that he finally, uh he gets finally back on track. More time at Team Alpha Male. Just, you know, prior to the Cody Stammen fight, I was skeptical because I was like, he's not the same certain age and so, you know, Cody Stammen and Marlon Vera aren't just going to lay down here after the first punch. So, you know, now that he's had those uh, six rounds of very tough action, I think that he'll finally pay dividends here on uh, Saturday night.
0: And next up in the Bantamweight division, this is a fight I've been looking forward to breaking down. We got the former champion and the, the first ever UFC Bantamweight champion, Dominic the Dominator Cruz, the future Hall of Famer. He's 22 and three, and he's taking on Casey Kenny, who's 16 and two. Currently, they got Casey Kenny minus 125, and the comeback on the legendary Dominic Cruz is plus 105. I'm going back and forth on this one a lot, man, but I finally do have a pick, but I kind of want to hear who you got first. Uh, tell us, man, uh, is Casey Kenny ready to get the biggest win of his career?
1: Yeah, this is a, a good matchup. Um, I think this is that typical spot where you got an unranked guy who's got some steam, um, Casey Kenny, who's coming off a fight of the night, coming off a, a devastating beating of the uh, highly Aletang as well. Um, and I I like Casey. I think he's a, a a serious, a a solid fighter, but at the same time, this is another one of these things where we can't overrate these prospects as much as I like Casey Kinney at the end of the day, his ceiling, in my opinion, at best is a fringe top 15 guy, maybe, you know, bottom half of the top 15. I don't think that, you know, he's a solid, he's solid everywhere, solid grappling, solid boxing, but I'm, I'm not like, you know. I don't want to say to beat Dominic Cruz, you have to be a top seven, eight, nine type of guy. But that's where my gut tells me you have to be somewhere in that range. And personally, I don't think Casey Kinney is that. I like the kid. I think he's a solid fighter. Um, Let's take on this fight. Dominic Cruz, yeah, the whole he hasn't won a fight since 2016 or he hasn't, you know, this and that. I get it. He got stopped his last fight. But Casey Kinney cannot even He's nowhere near the level of a Cody Garbrand. he's nowhere near the level of a henry sahuto uh in skills just uh, in anything to be honest um so I think this honestly is possibly a good situation for Mr Cruz. I think that you know cruz is just the the last fight was just an ego thing in my opinion, and maybe maybe uh his ego is still there and actually. I don't want to say it was an early stop and say there, there's a case to be made. But I, I think he would have lost the fight anyways, uh, no matter what. But I think that Henry Cejudo, and honestly, in my opinion, in the boxing realm of things, was kind of struggling to find the chin of Dominic Cruz. I got to give Cruz credit. When it comes to uh, a lot of dudes, when they fight him, have the tendency to headhunt him. He got to kick his legs. And if Casey comes out with that game plan, I know he's a lefty. It's going to be a little bit harder. But uh, if you can start and chop them down, then maybe this fight comes closer. But, you know, I think that maybe these unranked type of dudes, these, you know, bottom half of the 15 top 20 type of guys will make that mistake in trying to headhunt Dom, And they will and they will start looking like the New York Mets out there. Daniel, a lot of swinging and missing, a lot of whiffing, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, big swinging misses which will lead to somebody getting tired, which would lead to Dominic Cruz out-voluming someone and just making them look silly. And I wouldn't be shocked if that fight, if this fight went down that way. Look, I know Dominic Cruz uh, has not won since 2016, but look at who he's been in there uh, against. I know Cody Garbrandt's had his trouble, but when we know when Cody Garbrandt's anywhere near his best, him and Casey Kinney aren't in the same class of of, of a fighter, and that's just facts. Um, I think that Casey Kinney... If he wants to win this fight, he's got to kick the legs and he's got to keep keep close to Cruz. I think if this fight's at distance, he could get touched up, man. I think that even though Dominic Cruz uh, got knocked out his last fight, got dropped a bunch of times against Cody Garban, even in the losses, man, I just feel like the, the fights were much higher level. And I think that this could be his possible tune-up fight. Like, this is what I say that these legends should do. I say that, you know, instead of Cruz taking a fight with Hayoni Barcelos or uh, Cruz taking a fight versus Rob Fawn or, you know, one of these other, other guys take a fight with the guy outside of the top 15 on the prelims, less pressure on you. Honestly, I feel like there's more pressure on Kenny to get the win. Um, so I'm actually going to go with Dom Cruz, man, to finally get back on track. I just think he's a better fighter than Casey. Uh, I mean, look, if Gom's too old and, and but I honestly think, you know, that he got caught with the knee in his last fight. And um, the Cody Garbrand fight, we know the type of punching power. I just don't think Casey Kinney possesses that. Casey's more of a grinder, more of a, you know, uh, stretch, you know, kind of grind you out type of guy. So I'm going to go with Cruz. I actually think it's a good matchup for him.
0: So there's a lot of different takes on Cruz's last fight. Some people say he looked great. Some people say he looked like shit. I'm kind of in the middle because – You watch that first round, and, I mean, Henry Cejudo was out there chopping those legs down bad in that first round. First round 100% goes to Cejudo. Second round seemed like Cruz started to make a couple adjustments, was finding a a home for some nice straight punches, but then he got knocked out. So, um, on one hand, to take a fight against Henry Cejudo off a a four-and-a-half-year layoff, you just got to applaud the kind of competitor Dominic Cruz is because, I mean, He's only lost to two world champions, you know, to, to Cody and to Henry, who both wore gold. And this is definitely a step down in competition here against Casey Kenny. However, I've always been high on Casey Kenny since day one, even before he got robbed on contender series. And interestingly enough, he actually has more UFC wins than Dominic Cruz. But, you know, granted, Cruz's were all for, you know, for world titles and he beat Demetrius Johnson. But more importantly than any of that, Shaq does bring up great points that the guys that lose to Cruz are the guys that, they just want to headhunt him so bad. Like you remember TJ Dillashaw, those first three rounds just swinging for the bleachers. But then TJ made a nice adjustment in the fourth and fifth, started going to those leg kicks. And then he won those fourth and fifth rounds. You saw Cody Garbrandt. What everybody remembers is the knockdowns, but prior to the knockdowns, he was actually setting up with the leg kicks. And you saw Benavidez have that game plan. One thing I like about Kenny, he is a very, very hard kicker from that Southpaw stance and He doesn't have a problem, you know, being disciplined coming out with a kicking game plan, which I think is exactly what you need against Dominic Cruz. So I actually don't really think that Kenny's going to come out here headhunting, you know, swinging and missing. I think if it was Nathaniel Wood versus Cruz, then he'd be, you know, that'd be the perfect matchup. But here, the more I think about it, the more I think that Casey Kenny is going to chop down the tree is going to slow down the movement. It's just that Cruz makes these great in-fight adjustments and I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park or anything like that. In fact, I do think it's going to be a very close fight. So I understand why people are taking Cruz and I understand the logic. I understand all that completely. I'm slightly leaning with Casey Kenny though, man. My gut just tells me that he I mean, well, he is the younger fresher guy, we know that, but more importantly than all that, stylistically speaking, his wrestling is good enough to keep it standing and he's got the kicks to slow down that movement of Dominic Cruz. And after that, it's going to be a really interesting fight. So I'm actually going to go with Casey Kenny here uh, to win this decision and get the biggest win of his mixed martial arts career. And shout out to the to the legend, Dominic Cruz. Love that guy. Main card, first up in the light heavyweight division, we got Thiago Maheta Santos. He's 21 and eight. He's taking on Alexander the Rocket Rakic, who's 13 and two. Currently, they got Alexander Rockich minus 155. The comeback on Tiago Maheta is plus 130. So, man, Tiago Maheta, second most knockouts in UFC history. He's one of the most dangerous knockout artists in the history of the sport. I mean, he even has a win or a knockout win over the current champion, Jan Blahovic. So, you cannot sleep on this guy. Um, with Alexander Rockich, what I like about him, obviously, we love how athletic he is, I love how well rounded he is, but the thing I like most is that his whole camp is basically dedicated to him becoming a world champion. So it's not like there's 10 or 20 other people at that camp. They're all surrounded. Um, they're all, you know, surrounded with the same goal of trying to make Alexander rocket, a world champion, which is what I like. So I think he's coming in here with the right game plan. I actually think he can stand and trade with Thiago Santos. As crazy as that sounds like, I understand Devin Clark dropped him twice, but I think that went, when these top 10 guys fight Devin Clark, they feel so unthreatened that, you know, sometimes listen, sometimes shit happens. He's an, he's an explosive guy. I've seen guys drop my head that shouldn't be dropping him like David Branch. So basically what I'm trying to say is that I think Alexander Rockage is going to be a little sharper against a guy like Tiago Santos than he was against uh, Devin Clark. I mean, I just think the the alert level is just on a different level. It's got to be. I mean, it's Tiago my head you don't, you don't view him as a laughing stock. No disrespect to Devin Clark, as some top 10 guys might view Devin Clark. Now, here's the biggest issue. The submission defense of Tiago Santos has always been an issue, whether it's his UFC debut against Cesar Mutanch, whether it's midway through his career against Eric Spicely, or whether it's his most recent fight against Glover Teixeira. One thing that's never changed is you put Tiago Santos in those bad spots, he most likely ain't getting out of them. And I think Alexander Rakic is smart enough to mix it up to where, look, I think there's a chance that either guy can knock each other out on the feet. But I think that if shit starts to get sketchy for Rockets, she can always drop down. We've seen he's got some pretty decent uh, wrestling. Uh, you know, for someone that doesn't have an American wrestling background, someone that's from Europe, he he, he can wrestle his ass off. I think he's going to come out here, play it smart, take my head a down, possibly finish him on the mat, but if not, get the decision win. So I'm going to go with Rockets here uh, to edge this one out, man.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, honestly, man, I'm kind of down on Tiago Santos. I know he fought Glover his last fight, but even when you look back, I mean, he had his opportunities. Even after he almost knocked him out the first time, he comes back out and drops him again. And, you know, one little scramble. And I mean, he was on his back and the fight was... Was uh over shortly thereafter. I mean, Glover Teixeira had zero success on the feet, was zero threat on the feet to Tiago. And I know that was his warm up fight, but this is uh one of these things, man. I feel like when these dudes go close uh, a close fight with John Jones, that I don't know, it's almost like you know, uh, riding off into the sunset moment type of thing. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but you know, they uh, have a close fight with Jones, and you know, uh, we know what happens uh next. I mean, him and Reyes both uh got dominated their, their uh, subsequent fights after. But, yeah, I think Ratchik, honestly, it, it is uh, his game planning is legit. I mean, he fights very calculated. He fights very safe, I guess you can say that. He's very well-rounded. He's got power, and um, he's very well-tested. I mean, he's been in there with Manawa. He's been in there with uh, Anthony Smith. He's been in there with Ozdemir. So he's got the rounds against uh, top guys in that division um, that he didn't have prior uh, you know, and then, you know, Mejeda Santos, he's just been out for a very long time. And, you know, they are I, I don't like how they're just kind of viewing that fight as a warm-up fight. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's a very uh, carefree approach as to what happened in that fight, man. And I, it just strikes me that Ratchik is the much more hungrier guy here, man. I think that uh, Ratchik can come out here, press him. Play it safe out in space, and when it's time to take him down, I mean, Eric Anders took this guy down. Um, I mean, some other people took him down too. Uh, Eric Spicy, like you said, um, I mean, he's given up the takedown several times. I think as long as Ratchik's camp keeps doing what they're doing, which is fight smart, fight safe. I think the only reason why he lost the uh, Ozdemir fight was just the size of that welt on his leg, man. I mean, that, the size of that on the, from the calf kicks were serious, and Tiago might come out here and try to kick that calf as well. But one thing I like but Ratchik, even in that loss, was he didn't even he didn't stop fighting, and he never switched his stance either. He might need to, but it just shows me that the kid's tough, at least, you know, when the going gets tough. He didn't he didn't push out. I, I still thought the third round was very close. I mean, the fight could have went either way. Ozdemir did enough to win, but I like this guy, Ratchik. I see him possibly fighting for a title down the line at some point, so he's going to be my pick to win here. I just think it's his time. Tiago had his time with John Jones. And, uh, and like you said, we just, we've always known his weakness has been on that Madden. And at the same time, do we know his standups truly ready to go, Daniel? I mean, who, who hasn't, who hasn't dropped Glover to share?
0: True. I mean, facts, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to take a clean one on the chin by Tiago maheda And that's the, you know, if you're betting on rackets, that's the spots you're going to be sweating every standup exchange, but I don't think he's out of it on the feet at all. Um, you know, as long as he's conscious, right? So he's just got more passive victory. So let's see if he can implement them. Next up in the lightweight division, we got a match between Islam Makachev. He's eighteen and one. That's a that's a serious record. Shaq. He's taking on Drew Dober, who's twenty three and nine. And currently, they got Islam Makachev minus three eighty. The comeback on Drew Dober is plus three fifteen. So I gotta say, how impressed I've been with Drew Dober's improvements. You know, this is a guy. Who's truly paid his dues and now he's finally reaping the rewards and he's got such an unbelievable mindset. Um, Actually, I had him on half the battle like back in the summer. You should check it out. He uh, he's just a really unique individual and great to talk to. And I'm obviously cheering for him. Not because I got anything against Islam. I think he's great too, but just because Drew's such a nice guy, you just want to see him succeed. And Shaq, I know Shaq remembers what happened uh, last time Islam Makachev fought a Southpaw striker. I know you remember that counter right hook by Adriano Martins, but, you know, Islam knows how to play it safe. He knows how to mix in his takedowns. His stand-up has been improving big time. And when we talk about the kind of caliber wrestler that Islam Makhachev is, he's not just taking down non-wrestlers. I mean, he took down a guy like Armin Sarukian four times. He took him down four times. That's a huge deal here. Dober gets taken down even in some of these fights. He wins, man. So I love Dober. You know, wish him the best rooting for him. This is a tough stylistic matchup for him. I'm going to go with Makachev, probably either decision or submission. So I'll go with Makachev here, man.
1: Yeah, man. I'm actually, after watching the tape, man, this guy, uh Makachev is good. I mean, that style, that style is tough to beat, man. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, good luck, Drew, because, I mean, And you look in some of these fights, I mean, he's getting taken down by Dariush. He's getting taken down by Hernandez. He's, uh, I mean, so uh, (laughs) I think that the only way Islam loses this fight is if he goes out unconscious. Um, I just think that he fights too safe, similar to Khabib. I mean, very similar to Khabib. Uh, I wouldn't say his grappling is uh, as that uh, dominant, but, I mean, he could definitely kill the clock and, and get this decision win. As long as he doesn't get caught with a... A big punch. We know Dober's has got. I mean, Dober throws heat, man, and Dober comes to bang. So he's got to be very careful. But as long as, you know, like Khabib says, grab, grab him, you know, wrestle him, make him tired, you know, smash him, smash his face. I think that uh, Islam should get the decision win here, man. I just think that, you know, I mean, just look at these fights. He's still getting taken down as much as we like him. I mean, the wrestling is getting better, but to beat makachev man that thing needs to be seriously patched up so i i see islam possibly even making his way up into uh one of these big fights up here soon man uh, whether it's uh fergus i know he wants to fight ferguson uh Yu. she called out these guys so we'll see
0: now we gotta talk about the three title fights so before we do Give this video a like and a subscribe. So, Bantamweight Championship. We got the champ, Piotr Yan. He's fifteen and one, and the challenger, Aljamain Sterling, is nineteen and three. Currently, they got Piotr Yan minus one twenty, and Aljamain Sterling is plus one hundred. So, Shaq, uh, this is a uh, this is going to be a serious title fight. And I got to give Aljamain Sterling a lot of credit because he's one of the most improved fighters I've ever seen in my life, man. I mean. You know, I, I bet on a guy named Brian Caraway at plus three fifty odds to beat Aljamain Sterling one night, and uh, the ticket actually cashed, Shaq. So basically, what I'm trying to say is that Aljamain Sterling has come a long way because I wasn't sold on him back in those days. In fact, his nickname, the Funk Master, I kind of thought he might have been the Fraud Master. But you know what? What he's evolved into and what he's become, and how unorthodox he is in the way he blends his game together, he has a hundred percent earned this title opportunity, and I'm very blown away with what I've seen. He's, you know, because we've always known he's had the talent, but now the mental is catching up with the physical, and he's definitely a top two guy in the weight class. Um, He's either the champ or he's the number one contender. We'll find out Saturday what the deal is. This guy, Piotr Yan, though, He's so mentally strong, and he walks these guys down. He doesn't care what you throw at him. He keeps coming forward. And I think that if this was a no-time-limits fight, if this was a fight to the death, if this was, you know, in Japan, I, I got Piotr Yan all day. I think he outlast Aljamain Sterling, and I think he outlasts him Saturday night. It, it's just that he can outlast Aljamain Sterling and still lose this fight. And what I mean by that is those first three rounds could go to Sterling, peter wins the fourth and fifth that's a 48 47 sterling so i do think piotr outlasts uh, sterling but does that mean that he wins the fight i'm not sure so it, it's a it's really tough it's going to be such a close fight i definitely don't think that sterling is going to come out here take his back in the first round and just choke him out like piotr and yeah, like honestly to give kind of a bold prediction Don't be surprised that Piotr Yan mixes in some takedowns on Aljamain Sterling because prior to his UFC career, he fought this Russian named Magomed Magomedov who's exclusively a grappler. They fought twice. First time they fought, Piotr Yan got taken down. But the second time, Piotr Yan stuffed all the takedowns. He even mixed in some takedowns of his own. So don't be surprised if he gets a takedown or two here along the way. The spots that I'm worried about is him kind of dropping rounds in the early going and then kind of putting it on uh, Aljamain towards the end and then kind of losing a close decision. So I think that's totally in play here for Sterling. But at the end of the day, man, one thing about Sterling, if I had to give any weakness with his current performances is that he does kind of slow down. You know, we saw in that, um, in that um, Pedro Munoz fight, Pedro was starting to get to him with those stabbing front kicks. You even heard Sarah and Longo telling Aljo to hold on. If you're trying to hold on against a guy like Piotr Yam, that's where he will tee off on you. So, I definitely think the fourth and fifth are going to Piotr first and second, maybe to Aljo. It's just that third round's probably going to be the swing round. I see it being a close fight, but I see Piotr outlasting him. So I'm going to go with Piotr uh, to keep his title Saturday night. But it's not the most confident pick because Aljamain's proven me wrong so many times, and he's really evolved into a very special athlete and a very special fighter. So if it's his time to become champion, then I fully accept it. But... Pre-fight, I'm going to go with Piotr Yan to defend, Shaq.
1: Yeah. Um, look, I think Algermain's Jermaine's improved. Um, his striking is definitely improved. Or just uh, understanding of his skill set in the striking. Stay at these guys up. But I'm. Think he's in for a tough night on Saturday. I just think this is one of the cases where I respect his development, but I just think he, he's barking up a wrong tree <laughs> with this one, man. I think Peter Yan is truly something special, man. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say he's about to be a, a long reigning champ or anything like that, but man, I, I truly believe that, you know, when Cejudo was champ watching tape on this guy, Peter Yan, that this was the only guy, in my opinion, that would, would give. Uh, a serious money, and I, and I like what Al has been doing, he took out Cody Stamen, he took out Pedro, he took Jimmy Rivera out, um, but one thing I noticed in all those fights, man, is those guys just aren't on Peterson. you know, they, Cody Stamen they kind of overexerted themselves, and when you watch Peter Yan fight, man, it's in a very disciplined, controlled state, Pedro Joe Munoz had Al Jermaine in the positioning that you want, you know, pressed against the fence. And and one thing I noticed, man, Al Jermaine has some bad habits off those breaks. And Peter Ann, he's got a couple of vicious uh, knockouts off. And and one thing I, the narrative is that Peter's a, a, a pagan. And I truly believe that Al Jermaine Sterling is going to have to pay for that on Saturday night for those comments, because I, I couldn't disagree anymore. I know he, uh, people are saying that Jimmy Rivera was, it was whooping him or something like that, but a fight is 15 minutes, and if you can't keep your foot, that's what that's what, that's what this is about. You fight to the end of the round. Peter stayed on him. Yeah, was it his best performance? No, but, I mean, Jimmy Rivera was severe so in that fight, got dropped multiple times, and, and that might have been one of Peter's, one of his sloppier performances, and he still dominated, in my opinion. And then you follow up with the Faber fight, you know, everyone's like, oh, Faber's old, and that's what Aljamain Sterling's been saying, for example. But I mean, what Faber didn't just put down Ricky Simon in less than a minute? Uh, what like 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 Ricky Simon, some slouch? And you see how you see the absolute devastating whooping Peter Yan put on to show that he's on a on a class of his own. Look, I like Aljamain Sterling, but it's not like he's coming out here and 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 whooping these guys. I know the last one was a quick finish, but when you watch Corey Sandhagen's uh, fights before that, I mean, it's a common thing that happens when he gets in the clinch. He gives up his back. So in hindsight, that was probably a good matchup for Mr. Uh, Aljamain Sterling. But in this fight, Daniel. I see Peter Yan. I don't see this being a close fight. I see Peter Yan coming out here and absolutely looking him. And, and honestly, showing him a lesson. I, I think what he's what he's uh, done is great. But this is a different ballgame. Pedro Munoz does not have that discipline to stay composed. We saw that in the Frankie Edgar fight. We saw that in the John Dotson fight. For it. Pedro Munoz does a lot of a lot of swinging and missing. He's not very accurate with his shots. He's very sloppy. Uh, then we go to to the, um, the Jimmy Rivera fight, I mean, honestly, he just had him pressed against the fence. It wasn't even like he was getting the takedowns. I mean, he just had him pressed. That worked him, you know, just had him up at range. Peter Yan is going to fight a lot more discipline. He's going to fight a lot more focus. He's going to choose his weapons very smartly. He's not getting enough credit for his performance, Jose Aldo, Dan. He, he stood in the pocket, all hands, toe-to-toe with Jose Yaldo, and absolutely broke him. When the fight hit the mat, Peter Yan was transitioning through his guard like butter, ground and pound. I mean, he hurt Jose to the uh, to the body, and, and, and they're just going to shove this to the side. Oh, Jose's old. Y'all are going to see on Saturday night that Peter Yan is the true 135-pound champ. He deserves a lot much more credit than he is. Aljamain Sterling, in my opinion, is not on his level. Uh, I respect what he's done, but when you look at the, the Pedro Munoz fight, when they're in those close quarters and they come out to clinch, Aljamain's ducking his head off to the right every single time. And I know a guy who likes to throw a, a flying knee to that side, a high kick to that side off those breaks. And, and I see Peter Yan possibly knocking him out, man. So I think Aljamain Sterling, he, he talked a big game and we'll see what he has on Saturday night. But I think Peter Yan stops him and I think it's a very dominant performance.
0: I was kind of surprised that Aljamain called Piotr a paper champion. I was like, "Really? Like, isn't he like fifteen and one? Like, has it, like?" I, I was very surprised by that myself. So,
1: let's see. Uh, let's see well, what happens tomorrow. Because, it's because you know. Well, it's because you know they're saying. Uh, they're they're saying that you know he got uh easy fight with Faber and Aldo as if these two dudes are are, are some slouches and then that's why uh you know I guess a lot of people lost on Ricky Simon because Faber ain't just no slouch. I mean who who else put Ricky Simon down in less than a minute Daniel? No one exactly I mean Jose I, I find it funny that it's actually mind boggling man. I think they don't respect this guy enough.
0: Um, you know, and, and they're gonna find out. Co main event of the evening, we for the featherweight belt, we got Amanda the Lioness Nunez. she's 20 and four, and Megan Anderson is ten and four. Currently they got Amanda nunez minus minus nine hundred. The comeback on Megan Anderson is plus seven hundred. So uh, you know, I've never quite been uh sold on Megan Anderson, you know, as being a top fifteen UFC fighter, let alone someone that's challenging for a title. So this uh but at the same time there's only like five people in that weight class maybe even less so it kind of makes sense you know she needed a title defense so you know they got uh megan anderson in there but megan anderson is in big trouble saturday all right listen i know a lot of people are taking her for the upset here and i kind of disagree with that pick i mean megan anderson has shown a big weakness on the mat i mean we saw cindy Dandois for christ's sake uh Go out there and take her down and finish her in the second round. We saw Felicia Spencer, um, my favorite soccer mom, go out there and choke her out in the first round. So, if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, I get it. People are like, "Well, I'm not laying minus a thousand on Nunes." I understand why you're not doing that, but I wouldn't take Megan any. I wouldn't take Megan either because that's throwing money away. So, what I would do is maybe look at the under, which is dog money. And hopefully, uh, Amanda Nunes goes out there and gets a, you know, first, uh, seven minute, uh, stoppage. And that way she can cover that, that under. So that's pretty much what I think. Uh, well, we lost Shaq. So, uh, it's all good. I'm going to talk to y'all in the meantime. Why don't y'all ask me some questions before I get to this main event breakdown. And then once I do, y'all, you y'all you want, you want to look at the studio. It looks pretty cool. Right. But, uh, I mean, the only thing with Amanda Nunez, it's not even like a matter of skill anymore. It's at this point, she's a long-reigning champion. So the only way to go from here is down. Like, you know, Nunez has done everything you can do in the sport. She's done everything you can do in the sport. So there's not much more to accomplish, but I, she's just on a completely different level than uh, Megan Anderson. So for that reason, she's winning this fight. Uh, Shaq, are you there? All right. Well, I think we're experiencing a little technical difficulties, but as soon as we got Shaq, uh, as soon as we got Shaq back, I'm sure he'll tell us why he's picking Amanda Nunes as well. We haven't spoken about our picks, but I highly doubt um, I highly doubt he's picking Megan Anderson uh, in the spot. So I can already tell you uh, he's taking uh, he's taking Nunes. My boy Noah, though, says. He says, I'm taking Megan. Interesting. Why? why is it because the number or because you actually think she's going to win because i mean i personally think megan anderson is in big big trouble i've never been sold on her i get it she's six foot one in that whole deal but aside from that the, even the stand-up is overrated in my eyes so gotta go Nunes. all right main event of the evening so hopefully shack doesn't leave us uh but So the reason I keep moving my computer around is because I got two monitors and on the second monitor, that's where Shaq appears. So for me to see him joining the room, I got to move this one that the camera is on long story. Y'all don't give a fuck, but I'm just telling you what the deal is. All right. Main event of the evening. Now do me a favor. Before I talk about this main event, give this video a like and a subscribe. I uh, truly appreciate it as always. All right. We got the champion, Jan Blachowicz. She's 27 and 8, the Polish power. He's taking on Israel, the last style bender Adesanya, who's 20 and 0. So 20 and 0. That means that if you picked against him every fight, you are 0 and 20. And goddamn, uh, it would suck to be 0 and 20 at anything. Currently, they got Israel Adesanya minus 235. The comeback on Jan Blachowicz is plus 195. So uh, I'm going to message him real quick asking if he's all good. But, anyways, as far as this matchup is concerned, so. Yo, what up, Shaq? You good? What up? Yep. I assume you got Amanda Nunez? Yep. Awesome. So, we're talking about the main event now. So, basically, the champ, Jan Blahovic, he is one of the most uh, counted out and underrated champions. In the entire sport right now i mean this is a guy that started off his ufc career two and four he was on the verge of being cut he was losing to guys like patrick cummings and you know all these guys that don't belong so if you judge him based off that you're not getting the the entire picture because he's a completely different guy now and yan 2.0 i do believe in Jan 2.0 um and you know if izzy comes out here if izzy starts getting cocky if izzy says if izzy tells to hit me with your best shot yana can put him out cold no questions asked but you got to give just like you'd give the size advantage to yan maybe the power advantage to Jan, you got to give the speed advantage to izzy adesanya and i also think the technique is better too but the better fighter doesn't always win and Jan Blachowicz he's one of these guys he's always counted out and he seems to win i remember that luke rockhold fight and before anyone says oh luke rockhold's so chinny Okay, well, then why was Jan Blachowicz plus 200 in that fight? You see what I'm saying? So going into that fight, everyone was saying, oh, Luke Rockwell is just going to get on top of him, pound him out, and that's going to be that. Jan Blachowicz knocks him into next week. Um, You see his fight against Dominic Reyes. Everybody's already rushing to crown Reyes, the uncrowned champ. Oh, he beat John Jones. He did this. He did that. He didn't do shit. Jan Blachowicz goes out there, knocks him out in the second round. So once again, he's being counted out. I'm even picking against him, but... I simply think Israel is on a different level. It's just that I am worried about picking against the legendary Polish power, but I do like the feints of Izzy Adesanya. I do like that long jab. I do like the calf kicks. I do love his very diverse uh, striking arsenal. He's getting better on the mat as well, and I think the speed is going to be too much for Jan Blachowicz, but Jan's definitely got a puncher's chance. There's a reason this is not minus 1,000 like the Nunes and Anderson fight, so I'm not counting out Jan. But I'm going to say Izzy makes history uh, Saturday night and you know joins that very exclusive list of uh, champ champs like Conor McGregor and B.J. Penchak. So I'm going uh, Izzy to get it done.
1: Yeah, man. This is one of those fights where, yeah, on tape, Izzy's faster, sharper. He got the cleaner shots, cleaner defense. The whole, the whole nine, it's just that legendary Polish power. All you need is one to clip that nose. All you need that chin. And like you said, Jan Blachowicz is a guy where we've been saying, we've been, just like what I just said, the other guys, bigger, faster, stronger, clean, you know, cleaner strikes, all that good all that good jazz. We've been saying that for the, like, you know, 10 out of the last, uh, or 8 out of the last 10 fights, you know, <laughs> that's been the narrative, you know, when he fought, even back when he fought Devin Clark, he was the underdog. Even when he fought Cannon uh back in the day, he was the underdog. Uh, the Luke Rockhold fight, I mean, all these fights except like the jacaray fight he's been the underdog in, so um he's very easily underestimatable, man And this guy every i mean it's very easy to underestimate him in the lay minus two against him uh it could be a, could be one of those things where you're sweating uh come fight time and it's a, it's a different weight class jan black has paid his dues in this weight class but izzy might just be one of those uh exceptions man he might just be that special fighter i mean Every now and then, those type of dudes come along. So, uh, IE is going to be my pick to win. But from a betting perspective, man, I think it's Blakovich. I or just due to the fact that this could be a Holloway Dustin type of fight. I mean, where, yeah, he might be getting off on three and four. But, you know, when Blackovich lands his one and he, and he go, and he does the chicken dance, which he's done before, um, it might, it might be game over, man. And another thing we can't forget, I truly do believe, you know, I know, Paulo Costa has been making a complete fool of himself. Uh, you know, saying that he was drunk and, and and all this shit. But, you know, I think that uh I think that uh like basically sometimes man I think that he kinda was compromised possibly. He kinda was uh I think that he kinda was compromised a little bit. Maybe there was an injury he had been off for a while. I feel like Vikovich is in a is in a lot uh, more better shape than than Costa was. Costa was coming off a surgery, a layoff. Um, Bajicovich is a little bit more proven, more experienced, not undefeated. Seen seen the other side of the of the spectrum in the in the MMA game. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, Adasan is the cleaner, sharper guy. But I want to see I want to see how his performance because I mean I hear a fight with Jon Jones could possibly be on the line. I know him and Jon got this. Got this little beef and uh, I wanna see if possibly get settled. I know John's going to uh to heavyweight, but I wanna see uh I wanna see how he looks against Jan Blakovich. So uh he'll be my pick to win. But I am gonna say by I think it's gonna be a good fight, man. I feel like Blackout uh gets uh, swept under the rug a lot, man.
0: So we're being joined by a special guest, uh my undefeated Bantamweight prospect, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Uh Jamar came right on time for Jan Blahovich was Izzy. Give us your pick. Well, you got to become uh, the 205-pound champion tomorrow night,
2: man. You know I gotta stay loyal with a style similar to mine. Um, uh, can you guys hear me? First off, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, you know I gotta stay uh, loyal to a, a style similar to mine, and of course that's gotta be style bender for all for anybody that's watched my fights. Uh, you, Shaq, and you, Daniel. Um, what's up, my boy Shaq? By the way, um, you know you guys have seen me fight for a long time. You guys know my style. I'm very counter counter I don't know. I counter a lot. You know what I mean. I'm a very counter savvy fighter. So, so when uh and uh, Izzy, he's he's very he's I think he's a tad bit not much,
1: What's but tad bit
2: than me. You know what I mean? As far as countering goes. Now, with that, doing this, with that, I think I fought a lot of aggressive guys. Of course, I don't want to sound cocky and act like I'm in the UFC or anything. You know, but I've still fought aggressive guys, guys bigger than me. i I fought at... 145 one time um you know these guys are going to try to knock you out the thing is i think izzy is going to not only have the reach advantage the height advantage i think he's going to have the speed advantage too i think with jan Blahovich's thought like what he's thinking going into this fight is going to be like you know i'm going to kick his leg kick his body and that and then his, his skinny ass is just going to drop the thing is Izzy has a hundred fights t- right now as a professional. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's a lot of fights, man. So, you know, you're talking about a guy in Blahovitz who was once two and four, you know, in the UFC. Yes, now he's the champion. Izzy hasn't had really a bad performance. Did he have a close fight? Absolutely against Gastelum, you know what I mean? But has he had a bad performance? I wouldn't say so. Do I think he's going to have a bad performance against Blahovic? I uh, I don't think so. And I, honestly, if I'm being quite honest with you guys, I do see I, I do see Stylebender finishing him by like maybe second or third round TKO or something, you know. I think the strikes that that Stylebender throws is really going to accumulate on Blahovic. You know, he's going to be really confident being the b- slightly bigger guy in the fight. I think slowly but surely it's going to break down round by round. In second or third round, you're going to see Style Bender land that one shot that he landed on Whitaker, or land that one shot that he landed on Romero. I mean, uh, not Romero, excuse me, Costa, you know? Bottom line is I see Style Bender winning by finish for sure.
0: Nice. Well, Jamar, thank you for joining us. Thank you for stopping in. Follow my man at the Rockstar MMA. And uh, Jamar, we'll speak very soon, my man.
2: Absolutely. You guys take it easy, okay? Yes, sir. Take
0: care. So now we got to talk about, oh, it's funny. We lost both of them, but it's all good. We got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So normally I say, Shaq, what is the fight to watch? But I'm just going to tell you guys what the fight to watch is. And it's got to be Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenney. I mean, everybody wants to know what's going to happen in this fight. I mean, anytime Dominic Cruz fights, it's always very exciting. You hear the guy talk. He knows how to hype these fights up. And he's a very intelligent individual himself and this guy Casey Kenny he's on a tear right now he's killing it he's 5 and 1 in the UFC he's been in there with some serious killers so you definitely uh, got to pay attention to this upcoming fight between Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny and then my fighter to watch is going to be Alexander Rakic. i mean he's going up there against arguably of the scariest knockout artist in the light heavyweight division in tiago maheda santos i mean we're we're talking about a guy in my head Santos, who has the second most knockouts in UFC history, he's finished guys with leg kicks, body kicks, head kicks, punches, everything. He's so he's such a scary individual that if Rockage passes this test, anytime you beat a guy like maheda, it's a huge deal. If Rockage passes this test, he's in the elite of the light heavyweight uh, conversation. So for that reason, Alexander Rockage is my fighter to watch. Well, guys, we did it. Truly appreciate all our fans uh, tuning in. Make sure you give this video a like and a subscribe. We'll be back next week for the next card. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places we are available. You can hit Shaq and I up at bestfightpicks.com. Uh, follow me at Best 5 Picks. Follow him at MMAGenius05. Um, and then also check out our, our sponsor, Manscaped, at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. And uh, until the next time, let's cash these bets. Thank you, guys.